This podcast is brought to you by the Dunfield Retirement Residence, a casually elegant retirement community located at Young and Eglinton in the heart of Midtown Toronto. Customized living options complement your independent, active lifestyle. Learn more at thedunfield.com. That's what it sounded like in Winnipeg on Sunday night in the parking lot outside of the new home of Eitz Chaim Synagogue, where they held a short service to mark the 30th day since the October 7th Hamas massacre of Israelis. The Shloshim service is traditionally observed 30 days after the funeral of a Jewish person. Sunday yesterday was also the day that Toronto student Maya Winkler was supposed to finally start her first day of classes at Reichman University in Herzliya, Israel. Winkler is 19. She graduated from Toronto's Tannenbaum Chat High School, did a gap year, and then arrived back in Israel on October 3rd. Hamas attacked four days later, and Reichman U has remained shut ever since. Nonetheless, Winkler has decided to stay in Israel, and she's volunteering with displaced Israeli families, sorting used clothing donations, basically doing whatever needs doing. Now, we don't know exactly how many young Canadians like her are in Israel right now on gap year programs or study abroad semesters, but we do know many flew home to Canada within a week or two of the surprise attack. But Winkler is one of the Canadians from the cohort who have chosen to remain, despite everything. And truly, I feel safer in this war zone than I do in Canada. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for Monday, November the 6th, 2023. Welcome to the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News and sponsored by Metropia. Today, I want you to meet three Canadian teens scattered in different parts of Israel who are staying put, even though their parents would probably rather their home, and even though their original gap year plans or study abroad schedules have been dramatically impacted by the war with Hamas. Maya Winkler enrolled in Reichman U for this fall in Herzliya, but classes have been cancelled for weeks since the war started. So with nothing to do, Winkler did what she always does. She volunteered. You may know her name because for 15 years, Maya and her older brother Zachary ran an annual cotton candy stand in the driveway of their Thornhill, Ontario home as a fundraiser for the Hospital for Sick Children. Joey Lepetz is 18. He's a class of 2023 grad from Orchayim School in Toronto. He's now based near Jerusalem at a yeshiva in Mivaseret Sion, where the students are studying but also helping spiritually as well as financially. And Leora Pucci, also 18, also a class of 2023 grad but from Tannenbaum Chat High School. Her dad is Ed Pucci, a judge now with the Ontario Court of Justice, formerly a high-profile criminal lawyer and media personality. Leora went to Israel as a UJA reverse Shin Shin to volunteer with needy communities. She's based in Elat, and all three of them join me now. Hi, thank you. Hello. Uh, when did each of you get there? I arrived October 3rd, and my school was supposed to start October 15th, but obviously that changed. Joey, what was your, how did you get to Israel? When were you there? So I graduated from high school last year, and this is my first year at Yeshiva. I came in August 21st, 
So I've been here for two months now around. And so is your school in session? Is your shiva working? What's happening? We're fully in session now. A few people went home, but most of the guys are still here. Okay. And uh, Leora? Uh, so I got to Israel in late August, where I spent time with my friends and family who live in the center of Israel because my program started early September in Eilat. So I've been here for about two months. You're in Eilat. Tell, tell us what you're doing day to day. So when everything started, I was in Jerusalem. So I was going into the bomb shelters and my program managed to figure out how to get us back to Eilat um, on Sunday afternoon. Um, and since we've been here, um, I have spent the majority of my time at um, the Timna Park it's being used to host families, so like from the Gaza envelope. So I was there every day taking care of the amazing kids that were there. Um, and then they've been able to go to different hotels to be with all their, um, they're all from one uh, mashab together. So now they're all together. And we've been working at clothing drives and the hotels with people from different areas around Gaza. Um, and then today we started working in the schools, teaching English and families and kids from that are staying in a lot for the time being are also going to be joining the schools there. Maya, what are you able to do? What is your day to day? With my university, Reichman University, we went to go volunteer there and they gave us, me and my friend, boxes to stand outside of stores. And we had a list, list of items that the soldiers needed. So we stood outside of the stores and we asked people to just buy at least one item of anything walking out of the store and maybe 98% of the people did it because, and it was amazing. Um, also a lot of mothers have to take care of their kids while their husbands are in Miluim while they had to go back to the army. So we're babysitting for a lot of kids as well. Joey, you're in yeshiva, you're studying. What does your day to day look like? So at the beginning we were actually on break. But we were all in yeshiva for the Jewish holiday, Sifat Torah. And then the break was supposed to end on Wednesday. But we decided to cut the break early and start right away on Monday. And the day-to-day has been pretty normal, like a lot of learning. But we, a lot of opportunities to volunteer and do stuff. We raised, I think, $300,000 in two hours to sponsor gear for a unit. And we packed all the gear themselves. And then they, we came and we spent time with this unit. Uh, we've been tying a lot of tzitzit um, for the soldiers every day. That's something we do. Um, a lot of the healing, and every, multiple times a day, we do the healing for the soldiers, praying for them. And even this past Saturday night, we went to a hotel with uh, all these kids who were evacuated from cities near the near Gaza. We just had like a party with them, really, just to give them joy and spend time with them. Joey, you were saying you tied a lot of tefillin. Or tzitzis, I'm sorry. You, you said you tied a lot. Of, do you know how many you actually did? I'd say it's probably over a thousand at this point. We had every like every week we have a new shipment in white and green for the combat soldiers. And there's people who stay there for hours all night, just tying tzitzis all day and all night. So I would say it's over a thousand probably at this point. What does it mean to you to do this work? How does the holiness um, and the faith come into play for you? So I think there's definitely a different fight we're fighting. We're not on the front lines. We're not holding a gun. But there's something we believe that it's very, it's also very important to have God on our side and pray and do all these activ- all these things and 
And in the end, we believe it's all in God's hands. So we want to do all we can to help the soldiers in a spiritual way and in a physical way. And we believe that we do make a difference with what we do in yeshiva. A lot of parents that I know who have kids made them come home, but many did not. Talk to me about the pressure you felt and how you navigated the decision to stay. I've been here before with my family during other wars. We were here in 2014 during the summer and we were here in 2021 where there was that somewhat of a war. Um, and they understand what it's like. And me already being here, they keep asking me if I wanna come home, but I, I said, I, I don't want to. I feel like being here, it's important to continue to help the country and it's important to just stand strong and to be a proud Jew in, in the Jewish land. So being able to be here and to help as much as possible is just the most important thing I could do. And I feel safe. I'm in a safe environment. There are in a God forbid situation, there are bomb shelters everywhere, friends and family everywhere, everyone's family here. And I would probably honestly feel safer here than I would back in North America. Because? Because there's so much violence there as well. A lot of my friends have been experiencing lots of verbal threats and have just been witnessing tons of pro-Palestine, um, either protests or posts or just a lot of bad things. And here, everyone is just together. Everyone is here in the country where it's all happening. And you know the safe areas to go and you know that it's a safe place because you're all working together to try and protect this country as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I saw, Joey, you were nodding about the pressure that your maybe family and you discussed. Can you walk us through a little bit about how you decided to stay? So um, there's a lot of people I know who their families and their parents, they put a lot of pressure on them to come home. But, you know, personally, I felt that it's super important, especially at a time like this, to stay in the country and I feel like the unity in this country right now is truly inspiring. I want to be part of this. I want to be part of this nation. Uh, the, it's amazing like what I've seen, how everyone has come together. I feel this is the time I need to stay. I understand why people left, but I feel we shouldn't run away at the first signs of trouble. We should stand strong and um, come together as one nation. I feel this is the most important time to do that. So how do you check in? Like, is there a rule now? Your parents or what your family are like, all right, every hour on the hour, you're WhatsApping or what is the deal you made? So a lot, I know a lot of people, their parents like buy flights for them and they keep moving the flights every week just to see week by week what, what, what happens. Um, me personally, I talk to my parents. I said, I'll call you every day, whatever you need. And I, right now, things are pretty safe where I am. And it's, I said, as long as the things are safe, they agree that uh, I should be able to stay here. Maya, you were like, you want to jump in? You got a brother there too, I am told. And I'm supposed to ask you what he's been through. So my mother put us all on Life360 so that she knows where we are at all times. And we always made fun of that app before this whole war started, but now she thinks it's pretty important. Um, and my brother, he's in yeshiva. He was in the army and he was called for service. Um, and he was in a base pretty close to Tel Aviv. And at that base, that's where, and it sounds horrible, that's where they kind of transferred all of the dead bodies. And his mindset was so beautiful 
about it because he felt that he was able to have the privilege of cherishing these heroes for the last time. So he was Chesed Shel Emes to work with the, the deceased and, and give them the send-off they can thank you for. Yeah. And Leora, you are in Eilat. And what deal did you make with your folks that you want to stay? Um, so it never really was a conversation for me to come home because my parents know that I'm not leaving. Um, I plan on making Aliyah. That is my goal in life. I will not be leaving the country, especially during wartime. That's the time I feel we especially have to be here. Um, if I were in Canada right now, all I would be doing is worrying about my friends and my family who are in the army, who are in the areas where everything's happening. While I'm here, I'm doing whatever I can to be helping in any way. Um, and like Maya said, I feel safer here. I felt safer in the bomb shelter in Jerusalem than I would in Canada. The universities that a lot of my friends go to, somebody went around the dorms and ripped off all the mezuzahs. There are people walking around taking down the signs of all the victims that were kidnapped. There are rallies going on that have swastika, like people are holding up signs of swastikas. I think a lot of people in the diaspora feel much more unsafe than they ever have in the last few generations, especially with all the protests in the streets. I think that that would be something... They didn't send their kids to school last Friday. Nobody went. I mean, very few people went. So what happens now? There's going to be a, a whole ground invasion and trying to find the hostages. What are you expecting will happen next and what you will do? I, I think we just have to continue what we're doing. We have to continue trying to help as much as possible with volunteering and just support and being there for one another. And if school does start, I do believe that there is going to be a Zoom option all, all of my roommates are in America still, and their parents are not letting them come. So I'm kind of figuring it out as, as we go on. And Joey, what about you guys at the yeshiva? What's the plan? I think the yeshiva will definitely stay open. I would say for now, I'm planning on staying in Israel as long as, long as I can. Right now, my yeshiva is technically on lockdown, which is you're not supposed to leave like the city. Not supposed to be Yerushalayim, I'm not supposed to go to Tel Aviv. And Leora, what about for you? What's the future for you? I'm not leaving Israel. I will not be leaving this country. Uh, our next break is Hanukkah or something like that. Uh, my family was meant to come visit me, but we've canceled their trip since then. Um, but my program has been very good about keeping all of us updated and staying up to date with where it's safe for us to go. For right now, we're staying in Eilat. I have friends and I have family that are serving. They're on the front lines. I can't leave. Like, this is this is where I have to be. This is where I will be. You mentioned earlier that you working with kids who've been evacuated from the Gaza envelope. What are the, the stories they're telling you? With Timna, I've mostly been with little kids. So they had psychologists coming to come and talk to them and help them. But a lot of them more or less, my job was just kind of, I wanted to keep them happy and keep their minds off of the fact that their homes are destroyed. Like my job was not to have them focusing on that. If they wanted to talk to me, they knew I was a comfortable place, a welcoming place, but I more wanted to keep them distracted than that. Um, a lot of the parents would tell me about what their kids had been through, which was insane. <laughs> Um, something that no child should ever have to experience. But the kids themselves, 
I came every day. I was a familiar face. And whenever I came, the kids were ready to tell me that they wanted to learn how to make bracelets. They wanted to play soccer. Like they, it just went straight to having fun with them, which is how I wanted it to be. When you said that it was insane, you rolled your eyes. So we're talking about the villages that were part of the Hamas attack or? The families are mostly from a Moshav that's very much in that area. Um, one of the dads was a first responder at one of the kibbutzes that is all over the news right now. Um, the stories were mortifying, but they have to be shared the, so a lot of the, for the first few days I was there, the majority of the dads were in the army or just still at the kibbutz fighting. Um, but it's like, it's in that area. They're currently working on, after everything's done, they want to rebuild their shul there um, as a memorial for all the people that they've all lost because it's their community that was destroyed. Okay, thanks. That's helpful. Did you want to send a message home that you want our listeners to understand what it's like to be a, a gap year or a yeshiva year student from Canada in there at the moment? I just want to say that this is our country. It's amazing seeing everybody posting and standing in favor of Israel, standing together as a country, doing whatever we can to help each other. Um, it's Am Yisrael Chai, Jewish Brotherhood. I am so proud to be here, Israel is just absolutely incredible. It's our home. There's good weather here, which is definitely a pro. And from what I'm experiencing, I'm still experiencing somewhat of regular life, just a little bit of a war zone. I've only experienced one siren in Modi'in and the rest of the time I'm walking the streets. I believe about maybe 90% of the country kind of feels normal, you know? I'm walking along the beach and people are still swimming and it's it's still amazing and people are just all working together and my experience is actually so meaningful and incredible and I'm so proud and grateful to be here. That's beautiful. I thank you so much for all of you for sharing with us. Be safe and bless you for doing this. Thanks for being on the CJN Daily. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Before we end, I wanted to update you on two stories. The first one is about the episode we did about why CBC News doesn't use the word terrorists to describe Hamas. Now, the CBC's Ombudsman's Office has announced that it's opened a review of this policy after receiving a complaint from the public. And the Ombudsman, Jack Nagler, says he'll release his findings when his review is complete. And I also wanted to let you know that we've asked repeatedly for an interview with Canada's new special envoy on anti-Semitism and Holocaust denial, Ambassador Deborah Lyons, since her appointment was announced a month ago. She has repeatedly declined the CJN's requests. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. As always, you can write to me at ebessner at thecjn.ca. The Dunfield Retirement Residence offers customized living options to complement your independent, active lifestyle. Welcome home. Welcome to the Dunfield. Visit us at thedunfield.com to book a personal tour.